I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long-term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Hello. My name is Demetrius. This is Ali. Hey. This is Jason. Hey, guys. And you're listening to Spaces Podcasts. Thank you for joining us again, everybody. And a, a late happy Mother's Day to everybody that's listening, all the mothers out there. Thank you. <laughs> or, or cat mothers. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, do you have something to tell us that or what? Was that the big news? <laughs> so yeah, we got a, a jam-packed episode today. Huge guest who's world famous and uh, got some big news coming from Allie's Corner that we'll get to in a second. She's not the world famous one, though. <laughs> oh. Not yet. Not, yeah, not yet. <laughs> Before we jump to, to our guests, I uh, wanted to run around the room really quick and see if you guys, how you guys have been. Uh, for the most part, pretty good. Kind of feels like a rerun over what we talk about every time. Everything's busy. I mean, our industry's just going at a pretty wicked pace. I mean, D, I know you and I were talking about it before. And, um, you know, it's, it's good. It's yeah. good. It's really just trying to keep up, but it, it's going at a pretty fast and furious pace, just kind of as a. Not so fun thing. We were talking about Mother's Day. My poor wife um, got sick, wasn't feeling all that great. Started clearing up, feeling a bit better yesterday. And then, of course, my daughter came down with a fever, my little six-year-old. So she was pretty wiped out. And even to the point last night where she was, like, hallucinating at, like, 130, 320, something like oh. that. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, to the point where I looked at my wife, I'm like, yo, we got to take your temperature. And if it's 104, like, we're out of here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but it was it was crazy and a little freaky. 
You yeah, know what I mean, at the same point, because you're like, oh my gosh, like, yeah. what is she talking about? You know, yeah. um, and just, just had, like saying weird things, just like I just I can't figure it out, and I can't, you know, I can't figure out the piles and all. Like, oh, it was just crazy, and oh. I'm like looking at her, like, oh my gosh, I'm nuts. I know that, and yeah. I can't make any sense of this. Right? Yeah, and it was it was a little trippy. So about three thirty, I scooped her up, put her under the bed with my wife, and then I left actually. So I went to the gym, and then I had to be in La Quinta by uh, seven this morning. But, uh, but yeah, so it was a little trippy, you know, yeah. a little, little scary. She's doing good now, yeah. Um, which is, which is good. I was, you know, texting back and forth with my wife all morning and all day. So she's good, but still has a fever, but it's not doing acid anymore, apparently. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, re- I remember being a kid and on the other side of that, having that, you know, hallucination Yeah, moment. like lucid dreams, you she'll, know what I mean? She'll probably still remember that when yeah. she gets older, because I still vividly remember I'll bet. It. I mean, I, it kind of like when it, it was... It was crazy because when we were first going through, I was like, "Oh, she's kind of like you're in that dream state, but hadn't woken up." Yeah. But then, the, but then she was like vivid with it and yeah. like totally there, was responding to us and then telling us what was going on. I'm just like, "Whoa, hmm. we're not the only people here in the room right now." You yeah. know what I mean? Like one of those kind of things. And it was it was pretty it was pretty crazy. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. So that was mine. You know, Mother's awesome. Day celebrated that barbecued. Yeah. The guys did a bunch of stuff and. Brought some things home for my wife just because she couldn't go because my daughter was sick. Yeah. Um, but uh, but nonetheless, scooting along. Um, in the same vein of being sick, uh, a blue uh, update for our dog. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Those meds are <laughs> doing a number on us. Uh-huh. He has been so gassy. Oh, no. <laughs> Dude, you guys walked in. There's, like, candles everywhere. Oh. It's like a gas chamber. Uh, one night I literally woke up from a dead sleep cause I couldn't breathe. Ew. It was like suffocating. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that's rough, man. Um, so yeah, he's, uh, he's having a, a, a tough time with the meds in that regard, but he's, um, he's, he's doing good in general. Okay. Uh, but he's just putting us through the ringer on that, <laughs> on that front. That's rough. On the professional side, I had a huge milestone and I paid myself for the first time. Nice, man. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, thanks. So, uh, so in California, you can't do uh, an LLC as an architect. So you have to set up a corporation and then I changed it to a, an S Corp, which is, yeah. yeah, similar to like a um, self employed. Yep. And with all of that, you have to set up your payroll and all yep. of that. So I went through the whole process of finding... Which is fun, Yeah, by the way. yeah. <laughs> trying to find a payroll system. And to any uh, small business owners out there that are looking, the one that I, I tried out or am using right now and uh, kind of testing is called Gusto. Hmm. It's a cloud-based system, which I really like. It's actually a, a pretty good system. Definitely would recommend it. It's pretty simple, easy to use, and they send you all your reminders to, uh, you know, process your pro- payroll. And if it's just you, it's it's pretty simple. So cool, um, good for you. Yeah, yeah thanks. Exciting. Exciting. Yeah. Oh, and then Allie, yes, you had uh, an update. Yeah. Well, besides the Mother's Day update, yeah. where I got little bags of chocolate from each of my cats, so I oh, thought that Lord. was quite nice of them oh, to remember. Lord. And a nice little talking, card. Are we talking about actual chocolate or poop chocolate? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> the answer is actual chocolate. Okay. And they both signed the card with their own respective personalities. So I was, I very much enjoyed that. Oh, um, nice. Besides that, though, I spent the last week in Detroit, which if you guys haven't gone, direct flight from Orange County. 
awesome. Such a cool city. We were there for the Urban Land Institute. But that marks then the sixth week in a row that I have been away from my husband and my cats. And I still have my part-time job after work where I teach fitness classes. And then we've been going through some turnover at my company. So my life has been hard to keep up with. So... Where I am now is the podcast I have loved. I had no idea about smart cities or tiny homes or any of the stuff I enjoy talking about. Well, enjoyed is the wrong word, but covering homelessness and actually bringing some, some exposure to that topic. But I will no longer be able to be a regular co-host on the show. My, my overcommitments, I think my husband... I was calling him on my right over, and he's like, come on. <laughs> I don't think he, he doesn't see me as often as he would like. So I'd like to, to get back a little time with my family. So I will uh, do that. We, hey, I totally get it. Yeah. We're, uh, You're a quitter. <laughs> <laughs> I, will just, I will just let that slide. My pride is too. <laughs> it's too uh, good. <laughs> yeah, no, we're on a serious note. We're really bummed yeah. out. Um, we exchanged emails about this whole thing uh pretty bummed out to hear about this but uh it's all in in uh for good cause mm-hmm. so we know you'll you'll kill it as you kind of refocus so we'll be happy to have you as a, a friend of the show yeah uh come back every once in a while and when she's world famous right? yeah exactly <laughs> you guys have to book and pay me <laughs> yeah <laughs> no i've been explain to you two- what won't happen <laughs> <laughs> I've been to too many. We, in our industry, we have executives meet with some of the next generation to talk about different challenges. And we met with one that really resonated with me, a CEO of a home builder that basically said, had I looked at my priorities and really pushed aside a couple things, I would probably still be married today. And while I don't think I'm on the verge of divorce, I do think that at a certain point you need to decide how much time should you be giving and how much does it feel like your family needs you back at home. So... No, it's one of the hardest things to juggle around. I mean, look, there is only 24 hours in a day, so we have to be very deliberate with how we spend that time. Some things are more important than others. You know what I mean? That is absolutely for sure, and I know my wife's going to be giving it to me after uh, saying this on on the show, too. (laughs) But but that's the truth. So, I mean, we're wishing nothing but the best, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, guys. So, we will recenter and get back to the fun. Mm -hmm. We're all bummed out, but today we have our home improvement or home renovation uh, topic and we brought in a guest that kind of specializes and is in that uh, field right now. She is a landscape designer and contractor, principal designer for Sarita Landscape Design. Uh, She has a book titled Big Impact Landscaping. She's presented at TEDx uh, and is currently a DIY network host of I Hate My Yard and a new series that just started called uh, Lawn and Order, which um, premiered, I believe, yesterday, Sunday, uh, this past Sunday um, on the 13th. So um, with that, I will welcome in uh, Sarah Bendrick. Thank you for joining us, Sarah. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me. And yes, it, it the new show premiered this weekend. It was actually Saturday. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, but no, no big deal. It's all good. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, thank you for such a nice intro. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. If I got anything else wrong, uh, definitely correct me. But uh, oh, did, yeah, you got it all right. Uh, do you want to plug your, your website and social media while we have everyone's attention? 
Sure. So my name's Sarah Bendrick. I'm a licensed contractor and landscape designer out of San Diego, California. And I travel the country uh, doing a show for the DIY Network, but you can find me on Instagram. I'm there pretty much every day a few times. And my handle is Sarah Bendrick. It's no H on Sarah, though. So I'm one of those Sarahs. (laughs) But yeah, if you find me on Instagram or Facebook, uh, a follow is awesome. Uh, I share projects and uh, tips as I can. I just found your Instagram, so we're good. And it has that old picture. I Tell me exactly what, uh, it's kind of a retro alley. You'd probably be able to tell me, but just so people know. Oh, uh, yes. What would you call it? And I just followed it, too. That's the feminist. The, yeah, the, with the, she kind of has the bandana, yeah, right? Yeah, you and can do headband. it. What yeah, is that, yeah, Sarah? Yeah, so it's kind of I. It's kind of a play on Rosie the Riveter. I That's actually, yeah. um, I love wearing the red bandanas. I kind of like that vintage look. Cool. And um, I just happened to be wearing that. And one of my camera guys I was filming, I hate my yard at this time. He's like, hey, we just painted this wall yellow. Like, make a fist. And I did. He, he just took that shot like in one take and sent it to me. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to use this for all my marketing. <laughs> yeah, it's it, great. It was totally just like a natural moment. And I was like, all right. So the quality of the photo is like, you know, one megabyte or something. But, hey, <laughs> it works online. <laughs> yeah, I mean, cool. it literally looks like a painting. Yeah. It's really cool. Thanks. Yeah, no, I was I was super lucky that uh, I was super lucky that I was able to get that photo because it kind of inspired me into it didn't inspire me. It made me aware of how I present myself. And I was that's always been kind of a discovery since I found myself in the media. Sure. Yeah. So today we want to talk about uh, home renovation and, and explore that topic, basically discussing the background kind of DIY versus hiring a professional. And uh, Sarah, I'm sure you can kind of give some some insight on that since you're on the DIY network. It's kind of interesting, <laughs> right? It's a yeah. little conflicting almost. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's totally interesting because, uh, yeah, I feel like I have two. It's a great question because I feel like I have both work in the professional world as well as cater to a DIY audience. Mm-hmm. And so back at home or my job that I had before I started in television, I very much was somebody that you'd come to. I design uh, a yard for you. And now I design and build where the working for DIY, a lot of it is inspiring people to take up the hammer and take up a shovel and start doing, doing things themselves. So there is a difference in the audience, I guess you could say, or the people that are interested in those different levels. But most of us are just kind of curious on both ends. And what I find with a lot of clients is I either have clients that are very DIY friendly and I'll design a concept for them and they'll take it from there and project manage it, maybe have a gardener do part of it or do it all themselves. And then I have some people that don't even want to touch a thing. So, um, (laughs) uh, most people that hire me, uh, sub it out, but I find a lot of people actually want us to do the hard stuff and then save some of the softer stuff for them to help with costs. When you're referring to hard stuff, we're talking about like block wall or retaining wall and then like hardscape or is yeah. that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Hardscape. Um, yeah. When it comes to hardscape, like the patios, the yeah. pergolas, the permanent stuff that you don't want to mess up. <laughs> yeah. So not just digging holes and putting in plants type of deal. Right. And I would say a lot of clients prefer us to put in the plants because we okay. warranty them. And a lot of people are nervous of their ability to keep things alive. So <laughs> a lot of people prefer somebody else to install the plants with a warranty uh, versus doing it themselves. Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> so before we get too far into the details, the reason that, that this topic kind of jumped out and was on my radar is I saw a report um, from the National Association of Realtors 
that stated homeowners' length of stay in their home jumped from five to six years pre-recession to uh, up to 15 years post-recession. And in thinking about that, it's like 15 years, you got to do a a lot of work within 15 years, more than likely. So I thought this was an interesting topic to kind of discuss uh, amongst our group. And and we have, you know, kind of a construction, architecture, economic and uh, landscape background to kind of go through that. Yeah, and I wrote a blog on that. And so it's concentrated a lot of the higher length. So Philadelphia is actually really high on the list, but also L.A. and other markets that are kind of the more expensive ones are ones that people are staying put in. You know, it's, it's kind of, it, it resonates with me because like three years ago, you know, we talked about potentially moving, which is still beyond the five to six years that, that D that you were talking about. Um, but ultimately we got back in there and decided this is where we want to stay. So what did that lead to? That led to, okay, we got to change some stuff up, right? So we completely ripped out our entire backyard and all that type of stuff. And, you know, Sarah, would we, I've worked with somebody that I'm assuming would have been similar uh, to what you're doing to get me a design. And then ultimately I general contracted out doing the pool and the hardscape and did a lot of the stuff myself as well. And it's, you know, it, I think it makes sense because mm-hmm. we just decided at that point we're staying, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. now ultimately as Demetrius knows, I'm looking at adding on a couple of rooms and, and redoing the interior and stuff like that again, because we've, it's, it's hit that cycle where it's like, it's time to redo the house. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But before we get too far into it, I uh, wanted to, you know, kind of set up the, the scene and give our listeners a little bit of a background of kind of where where housing has come from and, and how the um, home building or home improvement industry has kind of come about. And to do that, you got to go back in time. Home renovation is over a $300 billion industry. And surprisingly, government played a significant role in its growth. In the 19th century, President Jefferson believed that to be a renter was to be dependent on a class of landlords and not truly one's own man. He and other politicians felt that renters would be obligated to support the political whims of their employers or landlords. However, into the early 20th century, the middle class, like millennials today, had an attitude of indifference towards home ownership. The development of streetcars, abundant land, and the introduction of cheap construction techniques opened the doors of home ownership to the middle class. In addition, the government initiated the Own Your Own Home campaign, where they heavily marketed to middle class families. They sponsored lectures about home ownership at universities, distributed posters and banners on home ownership and how to get a home loan. They even handed out We Own Our Own Home buttons to school children. The idea of middle and upper middle class families renting in large urban apartment buildings widely became frowned upon. The new enthusiasm about home ownership created a foundation for increased interest in home improvement and the products and services related to it. Yet, the building materials distribution network was a roadblock for do-it-yourselfers structured to only serve building professionals. But this business model was soon tested as new types of building materials began to replace wood and the market for mail-order build-your-own-home kits expanded. Simultaneously, the U.S. entered financial crisis. The government wholeheartedly believed in the importance of home ownership and intervened to support homeowners and encourage home improvement expenditures, authorizing the Federal Housing Administration to ensure 20% of the principal on private loans made to homeowners for the purpose of home modernization. 
President Roosevelt created Homeowners Loan Corporation to help Americans threatened with foreclosure. Over two years, the corporation refinanced nearly one million mortgages. But it was really the FHA and Federal National Mortgage Association known as Fannie Mae that redefined the way Americans purchased their homes by changing loan structures and encouraging a secondary mortgage market. The demand for residential additions and alterations increased as home ownership shifted to tenancy during the Depression era. Observing government support, building materials suppliers quickly evolved, introducing one-stop home improvement stores that catered to homeowners. Suppliers even became heavily involved in organizing building and loan associations, which were active in an unprecedented expansion of second mortgage debt. Material manufacturers found it in their interest to promote and stimulate home improvement activities with advertising, their own informational campaigns, and even providing homeowners with credit to finance their purchases of building materials. As the country exited the Depression, the activity of Fannie Mae and the FHA combined with the Veterans Administration insured mortgages helped to create a post-war building and home ownership boom, which created an even stronger incentives for sellers of building materials to develop retail infrastructures that included one-stop shopping locations customized for amateur builders and do-it-yourselfers. Over the years, as land prices increased, so did housing density. Yet, homeownership was firmly a part of the American psyche and everyone had to have one, even if they really couldn't afford it. For a long time, the combination of high-density housing and free-flowing credit created a culture of house hopping, where buyers moved up to accommodate family growth in lieu of renovating the home to grow with the family. But things quickly changed. Ironically, while the manipulation of lending led to a housing boom in the 1930s, it played a significant role in the financial crisis and the recession of the 2000s, fracturing the belief in home ownership. Now, the American dream of home ownership has been scarred. Even in a good market, Americans are cautious about home ownership. Owning a home is a major decision, and those that can afford a home carefully consider their purchase, leading many to buy with the intent to own their home for a long period of time, while those that currently own are hesitant to move. With unemployment at record lows and a recent growth in disposable income, Americans will make calculated decisions to select homes that they can grow in, opting to stay in place longer and invest into remodeling existing homes, ultimately driving the home improvement market for the foreseeable future. Okay, so uh, so what are your thoughts? What do you guys think? So we study the remodeling index, uh, the one from Harvard, the joint study mm-hmm. index. And so that's showing they it's this continual upward trend higher than it was during the last cycle. And they forecast it to continue to go up. And then you look at the stocks of companies like Lowe's and Home Depot, which are up 40% over the past year and a half. And so you have seen a lot of these existing homeowners that are choosing like jason to stay in place and if rates do continue to go up even if they get to six which is still historically low Mm -hmm. you may still have people that were locked in at a three and a half percent interest rate that are saying nope because i'm gonna have a a huge difference in affordability huge huge difference totally and so you could see a big shift towards the remodeling going forward uh, on top of what we've already seen yeah sarah are you are you kind of seeing that that uptick or nearing Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would say I see it a lot. Most people are looking to stay in their houses for quite a while and trying to cater their whatever remodel it is to their current family and future family. So I've noticed big trends in people trying to trying to redo what they have. Obviously, they're doing it. On, most people are doing it on some sort of budget. Some people 
want to just increase the home value and flip it and move out. But lately, most most of my clients have been wanting to keep the homes that they're in for quite a long time. Yeah. And with that, if people are kind of moving towards that direction of, you know, staying in place and, and making improvements to their to their home, I saw there's several ways that you can kind of invest in your home. And there's a, a list, a, a sort of a top 10 list. Um, and you guys feel free to to throw your own opinion of what you think Kitchen. would... Yeah. So Kitchen, so let me go master bathroom. Let me go backwards real quick. Family room, great room. So, so number number ten, miscellaneous home improvements. So that's just normal everyday stuff. Number nine, declutter your home. Eight, update the exterior. That's where Sarah comes in. Uh mm-hmm. seven, <laughs> uh maximize curb appeal. Yeah. That's yeah. a whole new show. Is that yeah. on in order is all about curb appeal actually oh, for okay. home value. Kind of draw them in, right? Six, get an outsider's perspective. Five, regular home maintenance, which seems like number 10. Um, Number four, this is Sarah again, create an outdoor space. Yep, outdoor living is so trending right now. Especially in Southern California. Well, yeah, especially in temperate climates, but I travel all over the country and talk to people and and everyone's looking for these outdoor spaces. It's becoming increasingly popular. I mean, every environment's going to require different types of spaces and maybe like indoor outdoor rooms, but people are wanting to connect outside. Yeah, exactly. Because in Florida, they have the lanai's and they just make their outside space within their either air conditioned or shaded area. They try to make it make sense so that you don't have the bugs coming in chomping on Mm -hmm. you, but you still get to enjoy the outside. (laughs) Exactly. So, Sarah, specifically to kind of that outdoor space and, and the curb appeal. But we stopped on the list, right? Yeah, I'm okay. going to get back to it. Um, <laughs> cliffhanger, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. Got to keep one more. What What have you either done yourself or just an opinion? Or what do you think are kind of some of the top ways to either s- simple, cheap ways or just home run uh, upgrades that you've seen or done for that curb appeal and and um, outdoor space. Yeah, absolutely. I think curb appeal in terms of home value is extremely important. And a lot of times it's simple things that you can do. It's cleaning maybe a new paint job. I mean, of course, as <laughs> simple is relative, right? Yeah. But um, uh, freshening things up by a new paint job, the front door, maybe changing the color to add some interest, adding just planters in front of that and adding some life. A lot of times front yards are kind of overgrown. The shrubs get really big and they start covering windows. So kind of editing the garden, cleaning it out a little bit, adding some fresh plants, freshening up the paint. And if it's an unusable space, if it's like an underused space, maybe adding something like a bench, something for a little bit of charm. And that does wonders and doesn't need to cost a lot of money. I mean, you can completely renovate it too. And that's great. Just call me. Yeah. (laughs) Sarah, is that just for people that are looking to sell? So I'm just, I'm thinking in my own mind and I have an attached home and it's nothing fancy, but I really could care less how it looks on the front of the house. So I don't know if that's because I'm planning to live there for a while or if I'm just weird and not caring about the exterior. Well, here's how I see it. The front of your house is the face of your house. It's the first thing anybody's going to see, whether they're driving by or walking by. And it's kind of how they make an impression about your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I do think that it matters what you put on the outside. I mean, obviously, it can increase curb appeal, increase increase home value, but also just kind of organizing it can increase like the joy you might see (laughs) when you walk up up to it instead of just having you walk up to an overgrown space. So I think most people looking for help 
are looking just to freshen it up. But I think it's important to have, like, if your inside of your house is very clean, the outside should reflect that. Yeah. You know what's funny? I find the landscaping stuff daunting. I mean, truly, and, here, and here's why, right? So uh, I've renovated a few different homes and certainly the one that I'm in now, I mean, we stripped everything out and I redid all that. But in the backyard, like I said, when we redid that, it was pretty basic because I had somebody plan it out for me. But it's really difficult if you don't have experience with it, understanding what plants go where, mm-hmm. shade versus light, you know, all these different kind of things, like how much water it should get versus how much it shouldn't, the irrigation. Like a lot of people don't understand. It's a lot more complicated than you would expect. I mean, the funny thing is it feels easier for me to renovate the inside of the house probably because that's what I do, right? I mean, I understand the finishes than it is <laughs> to even like... All I do is I put in a, what do they call it? The little palms, not sago palms, but the, the oh, succulents. Oh, I know. Oh, yep. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's like, <laughs> you're in California, you got palm trees, right? It's like a freaking palm trees <laughs> everywhere, right? Uh, which is so funny because there's actually only one native palm to Southern California, yeah. at least San Diego region. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't even grow in the city. It grows out like out east. <laughs> exactly. But I think it's really difficult to understand what plants go where. I mean, even, you know, yeah. I'm the normal DIY guy for the landscape, so I go to Home Depot, right? And, yeah. and they tell you, it's like, oh, this one takes six to eight hours of direct sun. Hell, I don't even know which way the sun pops up and close, you know, goes down. <laughs> so it's like, it's a difficult thing for me to figure out. So I, yeah. I, I get, and that's why I think I understand what you're saying is there's some people like, I don't mind. I'll drive a mini backhaul, I'll do all those kind of things, but I don't know what goes where. So I could see them wanting your services to at least plan it out yeah. and say, here's where this goes. And, you know, here's a shovel and have at it versus... And obviously, yeah. if you're going to rip everything Well, it's out. funny because everybody wants the service, but people don't realize how expensive it is to yeah. landscape as well. And so they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're telling me it's going to cost me $10,000 to put in some plants and like clean yeah. this up. And yeah. uh, <laughs> I believe it. Uh, you guys you are put ch- in a path or whatever. And uh, so a lot of people are shocked by the cost of construction. Yeah. Um, but to, but what, uh, excuse me, to back to what you were saying about people being more unsure about the outside. Absolutely. Cause if you think of a house, you're kind of confined to the walls and some yeah. people are like, Oh yeah, I'm going to open this space up. Yeah. But when you're in the landscape, it's completely open. Maybe you have a fence, maybe you yeah. don't, yeah, but you really have to have undefined. some spatial awareness to yeah. know like this is a good spot for a patio. Like yeah. I need a shade tree to ha- shade the house here yeah. and how to organize that space. It's you're starting with a lot less than you would with a home. So I think people Agreed. find it daunting for that reason so jason now that you are following sarah on instagram she does yeah. this thing called plant talk and she kind of walks around and uh she might be losing me at this point <laughs> does a little crash <laughs> crash course on uh plants so so you can learn from through her instagram no but i mean think about it though it's like really like if i if i have to remodel the inside of a house like to her point it's no big deal put up some studs you know what i mean sheetrock it whatever if you don't like the color repaint it but when and you're it do- stays there the whole year. Yeah, like it's it's like really it can die. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's a it's a really difficult thing to do. And my wife, man, she she's like trying to bring plants to the inside of the house, which I don't understand. But <laughs> that's she's, such a good idea. That I know everybody so says well. that. I know, but it's just but but the funny part is she's trying like to not kill stuff. No, <laughs> right, but she can't. We, you know, she, it's just it's hard. Like you yeah. really don't understand. It should be easy to do, but it's well, it's, it's even not. something as stupid as we have a huge apricot tree in our backyard, and we didn't realize that every or whatever season it is, fall or, or spring or summer, every time <laughs> the apricots fall down, they just smash on our ground, and so you just walk into our back our back patio, and it's just covered in orange apricots. And so I'm like, 
I'll eat them. Bring them to me. I'll eat them. <laughs> no, we can't catch them fast enough. They're just drop and splatter. <laughs> so oh, annoying. man. That's, that's when you got to start making jam. Yeah. I think that's, the, that's the other thing, too, though, is I feel like more people are interested in growing fruits and vegetables in their yard, especially as more people are aware of, like, organic, non-GMO. I'm finding a lot more people being open to that. But it is a whole task in itself. So mm-hmm. you put this tree in, and now you have 100 oranges. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do with them? Yeah. Uh, I like so. the jam idea, though. That's a good idea. Dude, you're not, you, Can I take a smushed off, apricot? You're <laughs> taking off the show because you don't have time. You're going to start making jam all of a sudden? Really? <laughs> <laughs> this is like a new thing for you and your husband to do together? Like, we'll spend quality time? <laughs> I don't want to make jam. Never I can't mind, go out Sarah. tonight. We're, uh, we're making jam. <laughs> Um, yeah yeah no <laughs> make some make some jam it'll be like the new avocado toast for millennials. Oh, <laughs> Lord. Uh, so let's uh let's jump back and finish off this list yes. uh the no i was liking the tangent we went yeah. to a tangent yeah i gotta keep this train on the tracks so sarah mentioned it actually number three choose uh or sort of uh number three choose neutral paint colors number two jason you mentioned this one bathroom renovation and number one is kitchen updates. Bingo. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it on the first try. Yeah. But when you kind of look at that a little bit deeper for people that, this kind of back to your question, Ali, um, for people that are looking to sell the home, uh, basically within a year, there are a few items, uh, have the top five of kind of return on investment. Um, going backwards is uh, it's the kitchen but they say to do a minor remodel on the kitchen. But that's such a bleed because the truth of the matter is you can't do a minor remodel because one thing ends up rolling into the next. I mean, I get what they're saying. You yeah. Do some touch up, change the handles on the cabinets, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But man, one thing goes from one piece to the next, right? Yeah. Every time. <laughs> yeah. Like every time. That's true. <laughs> uh, number four, deck edition. So, uh, so the first one, the kitchen remodel, it's a 81% return on your investment. The deck edition is 83% return on your investment. Oh my gosh. You're saying deck. Deck edition. I was like, that sounds like some kind of French word. I don't know. The deck edition. Oh, wow. That's, that's pretty funny. I have a funny story about that, but not, not appropriate probably. Oh, we'll use that one then later on. We got to do an after hours uh, show. (laughs) Uh-huh. Yes, deck addition. Well, Got it. You said a, updating the kitchen can get you an 81 or 80, 81% return on investment, so and a right? deck yeah. can give you 83. Yeah. That's awesome. I love to hear that. Yeah, I <laughs> think you'd like that one. Uh, oh, yeah. Where'd you, get, um, where'd you get that study? You're going to have to email that over. I'll send it to all my clients. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the thing that I'm hearing in that when you're saying 81% return, you're losing. Yeah. You're losing, you're losing on anything. Oh, okay. Any- I misunderstood that then. No, well, yeah. Okay. Well, you, I mean, you're. Gen- so if you spend 30 grand, you're going to get a value of 26. Because you're not going to be able to resell for the exact. No. In, exactly. Uh, exactly what you put into it. Right. No, I get, I mean, it makes sense, but it, it's, I think that's why you look at it as, you know, what are you doing the remodel for? Like, if you're, if you're looking to sell in the, oh, you said it was in the first year, like yeah. in a year. Yeah. So it's almost like you're struggling to sell the house and you got to, you know, make it look. It's got to stand out amongst mm. everybody else, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I would look at something like Sarah's doing and talk about like a front yard remodel, right? Yeah. So you're drawing people in, like mm-hmm. that type of thing, right? But anyway, keep going. If you can create spaces that people want to be in, I think they're willing to pay for it. So being wise with how you spend that money, definitely. And that's why I'm a big seller, obviously, on the outdoor spaces. If you can create an outdoor living room, it's like extra real estate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that's a good point. 
Yeah, so then the number three is just going back to the curb appeal. Front door, 91% return. Adding stone veneers, 97% return. And then the garage door replacement, 98%. Garage door? Yeah. Random. So uh, those are some ways for people that are remodeling to not lose as much money when you remodel to try and sell. You guys started jumping into this conversation already a little bit, but the DIY versus using a professional. What are your general general thoughts? Jason is making eyes at me. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, I, Sarah, I'll let you go last well, so you can so kind of okay, so let us get the thought. negative me, stuff out. Yeah, or... let me, let me, uh, <laughs> I don't think it's negative. I, I'm, I'm really interested in Sarah's input just because of not only her space, but also people that she you know, has colleagues with in the same space as well. When you watch a lot of the shows, whether it's DIY or HGTV, it's almost like it's 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 cut and portrayed to be pretty easy, right? Um, it's like a truncated version of what's actually going on. And so I think, you know, in a couple of the spaces that, that, that I work in that, that we could control, like flooring, for instance, I remember just cringing when I was watching these guys put down wood flooring with liquid nails and saying it was like a good way of doing it, right? And I'm going, oh, my God, no, like you can't do that. And I would have no idea you can't do that. Yeah, I know. And so I think those are the things that make me freak out a little bit. And I'm really curious on, and I'm not trying to bash it by any means, but Sarah, I'm really curious on your input on things like that, like where you think you're watching shows maybe where you believe people are being misled. And I don't think they're being misled purposely, you know? Um, mm -hmm. that's, that's what I worry about. You know what I mean? Where people think that, okay, now that I've seen this, this is how you do it. And they think they're going to have a great product and I'm going, oh my gosh, you're being set mm -hmm. up to fail. That's not going to be a good scenario, you know? Um, and that could be a very, very small situation that I'm keen on or I remember, but I'm curious on your, your take on that. No, I think what you're vocalizing is something that I've definitely am aware of and heard, uh, you know, have, have had conversations about this before. So ultimately when we're doing stuff on television, you know, it's, we need to get things done in a certain amount of time, sure. but ultimately we have a set budget and so we have to move through things. Uh, yes, I would say that sometimes there are compromises that need to be had just to kind of meet the needs of everybody that's involved. But for the most part, uh, most of these shows are, you know, their intention is to do things right. So yeah, it's, it's a hard question, but I would say when you're watching something on TV, it takes us a week to two weeks to film these renovations and it gets yeah. smashed down into 21 minutes. Yeah. So it's a very <laughs> truncated version. So you're like, okay, sweet. Like here, we're going to build this cabinet, hammer, hammer. Okay, done. Yay. Right. Uh, so that could definitely, <laughs> I could see how that could give somebody a false image of like, you know, how much work or how long it might take to do. Right. Um, the way I see it is, we're basically showing somebody snapshots of a process to kind of help them understand what's involved to make these things happen. And if they're really interested in doing it themselves, they can go to, you know, diynetwork.com or just to the internet, uh, find YouTube videos and really see each step of the process. So, um, you, you get a little bit of everything out there. You're going to get different types of shows that show more or less and different quality of builds as well. I mean, Every time I go out to a new job site, I meet with different contractors. I never really know what to expect. Sure. Um, but for the most part, like I, I know what I'd like to have happen. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, so it is a balance for sure. And um, that, but the intentions are always good. Oh, for sure. I wouldn't think there would be any negative, you know, thoughts about it. Just it, you know, it's it's just interesting, you know. Sarah, on that <laughs> note of of kind of watching the the YouTube videos. And for everybody else in the room, Ali, Jason, uh, what do you guys feel is kind of the threshold of, you know, you can only watch so much of a YouTube and 
and you know think you know everything as far as uh, how to do that, run that process. I won't do electricity. I, okay. Oh, dude, I will not touch electricity. Okay, like, yeah. Because the three times I have, it has oh. not been good. <laughs> yeah, that was my, well, my my dad is, he came over to, to visit. He lives in Florida, and he's kind of a DIY, but he's a DIY that has experience in doing it. And he came to our house, and he was very worked up that we didn't have enough to hang their towels. We didn't have enough hooks around the house. And so he's like, well, I'm going to come in your house and I'm going to hang these hooks and you're going to have all these great hooks to hang the towels. <laughs> and so he comes in. And I just thought that my dad was going to do it and it would be fine. And I almost cried yesterday. This happened about two months ago. Oh. And I still looked at him and I was like, what did they do to my walls? So, are, there, are there holes everywhere? Or well, He just put in these two huge hooks. They're like six inches long and they're... Oh, jeez. Like it's the wall feature now? It's the wall yeah. feature. And there's two of them and they look so bad. And so I think trusting experts, or at least um, people that think they're experts, has, has led me the wrong way unless they're actual professionals. Well, I think that's the other thing. Like we, we always run into the guy that's got like a uncle's cousin yeah. brothers yeah. something or other that was a contractor because that's like the ugliest buzzword ever i'm sure sarah you can attest to that you have a lot of people's like oh i'm a licensed contractor and like dude you were a gardener last week like you know like how's this work out right um and i've always had a pee with that but i'm i'm kind of interested sarah in your take on you know as you're because because again we talked about it before you're kind of on both both sides of the fence right you're teaching people kind of yes. DIY ideas, but then your contract on the same sort. Do you have a lot of people that kind of tried to do their own project and then they become clients because they're like, oh my gosh, like they hit that threshold <laughs> yes. or whatever that Demetrius <laughs> is talking about. And like, yo, I need help. You know, I can only put so many palm trees in my yard before I have an issue, you know? Yeah. Um, if, yeah, if you- that, that happens all the time. And most like the people I work with really don't prefer those types of clients. I mean, I mean, anybody's happy to take work, but a lot of times... You know, it, the project becomes so small, it's hard to actually make money on it. Sure. So a contractor much, much rather prefer somebody come in and do all or most of the job to make it worth the time just project managing the people uh, sure. and involved in the process where I do. So, I, yeah, I design. I, I'll design for them and then we'll give them an estimate. And sometimes I'll build it. Sometimes I'll give it to somebody else to build or sometimes they'll do it themselves. And I would say that... Um, I like to encourage people to DIY if they're DIYers. Cause I, I mean, to me, I grew up that way. My family grew up that way. We didn't have a ton of money. So I'm sympathetic towards that. I'm like, yeah, you can do this and they totally can, but it is a lot. So if they can't, yeah, we'll, we'll a lot of times pick up some, some extra work or they'll just hire somebody. But a lot of times you go ha- send out like a handyman or something if it's a smaller job. Got it. Got it. So what are some problems that, that you see people run into Sarah that, kind of generally where they get themselves into a kind of sticky situation too far uh, into the process mm-hmm. and, you know, having to backtrack and, and call a professional. <laughs> so DIYing things that are maybe above their ability, like retaining walls, you want to make you sure that those that are people that try sound. to do their retaining walls on their own? Really? Um, I mean, there's some like nursery retaining walls that I would say are DIY friendly. Uh, they're typically under three feet, usually okay. around 18 inches to two feet. And, you know, that's fine. But anything that's like holding anything significant, you need a permit if it's over yeah. four feet typically. Yeah. So I, mean, I wouldn't recommend necessarily doing that because you don't want those to fail. Or even if you're pouring yeah. concrete, you it's you know, it's not going to hurt anything if you do it wrong. You just spent a lot of money and now you got to demo it out and that's going to yeah. cost you even more money. 
Or if you do a real bad job, just tile over it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there's always options. Yeah. But uh, you just want to be conscious about uh, the things that you're doing and how much it might cost if you need to redo it. Yeah. So sometimes it's worth just hiring somebody to do it right the first time. Yeah. I think on the on the interior side, on the, the building side, anything where you're getting into life safety, um, when you're yeah. getting into the structural realm yeah. and electrical, like you guys mentioned, and certain plumbing. Yeah, um, that's where usually I go, like electrical and plumbing. Yeah. Right? For the most part, when people start messing with that, like if you mess up, like you can cause eight, to, to Sarah's point, you can cause a ton of damage. Yeah. I mean, especially with water. Like, water's awesome, but people don't understand how destructive it is. Yeah. And it can cause major issues and mold, a whole lot of cost. Mold, yeah. weakening your structural systems, depending yeah. on where that leak yeah. is. Yeah. And then electricity, just because, hell, I've been zapped two or three times. <laughs> and, like, I know that circuit was off. Like, I tested it somehow. <laughs> like, every time. I don't know what it is. Kid kid ran yeah. by and turned oh, the yeah, switch it, back it, on. It was, it was one. I had, I had a buddy one time that was running a room for me when in the first place that i had out of college and it was a it was a uh, a stairway light right so yeah. it was the midpoint or whatever so i turned off the circuit you know or i just turned off the light right because it cuts the current or whatever and i think what happened was i had to go out and get something he came home in between and turned on the circuit i didn't know he was there but oh. you know he kind of like flipped it on i was like oh that's weird and just kept going and i got up there and Boom, man. Blew me like across the stairs. So, Wait, does it really? Oh, well, it depends on it depends on how heavy it is. But yeah, it was like I literally got zapped and I ju- like jumped off the ladder, you know, landed on my back, basically. Explains you know. a lot about your personality. Yeah, not yeah, not too smart, not all that bright, you know. Yeah. Everything in my life is kind of dim. <laughs> so, uh, so on that note, let's kind of uh, hone into that, you know, when you hire a professional, that process Sarah, what do most of your clients kind of generally, what are the reasons they, they kind of turn to you? What type of work or, or is there just kind of a general reason? Yeah, absolutely. I would say most people approach me because they have no idea what to do with the outdoor space. Like you said, it's a challenge. It's hmm. challenging to know the sun and the shade and the how the hardscape, like the patios, work with the softscape in terms of functionality and running gas lines to barbecues. So I would say most people come to me for ideas. And what I ended up what I ended up doing is I just charge people to do consultations. So I'll go out there and share ideas right on the spot. And then that way I can leave those ideas. I'll sketch them out on paper and I can leave those ideas with those people. So if they're DIYers, they may run with it from there. And if they actually want like a drafted plan to hire a contractor, then I take them the other route and do a full drafted design. And then we take that into estimating. So I would say, yeah, most people come because they don't know what to do with their space and they want it to be functional and beautiful. Yeah. Can I, can I tag on to yeah. that yeah. with another mm-hmm. question? If you don't mind, Sarah, what not, not only, you know, why do they come to you, but what should somebody look for when they're going to, um, to a professional for help? What should they be looking at to say, okay, this person knows what they're doing. I think it's important to talk about budget early on in terms of a design can design something gorgeous for you, but if it's way outside of your price range, it's kind of a waste of design money, really. So I know it's hard for a lot of homeowners to even want to talk design costs or uh, construction costs, but it, having a ballpark, and sometimes people don't even know what it should cost. So having somebody that can go out there and tell them what they should expect it to be in range-wise and help them scale it back from there. So you, you need to be comfortable with them. You need to feel like they understand what your budget is and and somebody be honest with you if they say hey five thousand dollars 
be like, okay, well, there's not actually a lot that you can do in terms of hiring a contractor if you're looking for a big renovation, but, you know, maybe look into these people, somebody that can refer people out. So starting with a landscape designer is great, uh, because they're not necessarily, uh, married to a certain contractor and they can kind of point you in the direction of somebody that might best fit you, but there's great design build firms too. So just somebody knowledgeable that can understand design and construction. Cause like I said, you can design something beautiful, but if it doesn't make sense in construction, yeah. <laughs> in terms of cost, you know, where are you now? And yeah. do yeah. the prices vary the same way it would with other contractors? Is it as wide? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. One of my best friends, he's like a premium contractor. He charges probably 25% more, but people pay for it because they know what they're getting. Um, and then sometimes people will go out to bid. Usually most, I recommend most people go out to bid with people to two or three, cause you'll usually get a variety, um, you know, a variance in cost. They should be like somewhat within the same realm, but yeah, you have different skill levels that you might hire where people, if somebody's going to hire somebody unlicensed, they're going to be significantly less right. than somebody that's licensed and bonded. But you know, obviously I'd recommend going with somebody that's licensed yeah. <laughs> yeah. so yeah, that you're no, protected if anybody gets hurt on site. And just to add on to that, um, I think anybody that is considering hiring a professional should kind of do their research ahead of time and get a, an understanding of what the ballpark figures could be and then mm-hmm. go to bid. I know I just recently had an experience where a potential client, their expectation was kind of way out of line. They expected, uh, the service to be 20% of what the normal going rate would have been, uh, which uh-huh. is significantly. <laughs> I was like, sorry, I don't know how you're going to get that uh, within that that budget. So, uh, yeah, just doing some, your research ahead of time to get a somewhat of an understanding and then going to yeah. bid, like you said, to, to at least three professionals to you know get a range and then negotiate from there. Yeah. And most people are pretty nice about it, but I have had some people, I was on the phone with somebody and we were talking, she's like, Oh, I have all this. I want to put in that pond and you know, a brand new landscape retaining wall and all this. And I was like, okay, great. Uh, you know, we'll have to do a design. And I was, I think I quoted her between like a thousand or 2000 for something to put in. And she's like, Oh, she, she was thinking that was for the work. And I was like, Oh, and then she and then she she was upset because she was like what do you mean i don't understand like i just need to clean up and like these minor things i'm like well i encourage you to speak with some other people too (laughs) yeah that's pretty funny so so we kind of talked about that those early stages so now once you get to uh that next level of um going to going to the city once you already have a design or actually, we didn't talk about your design process. What, how's your process kind of work out? Well, we we kind of talked about it, but basically, um, what I'll do is, I re, I work by referral mostly, and then I started charging a consultation fee just because I kind of have the public image. I get more maybe inquiries than I can really handle, and so sure. I charge one hundred and fifty dollars to go out there and do the consult and give ideas right there, and so that way they're left with something. And then we can pick that up. I'm like, hey, if you like where this is going and you need something drafted, here's the rest of the design fee. We can move forward from there. And then some people are like, hey, this is great. My kids and I are going to make this happen. So you, um, or my husband or my daughter. I don't know, whatever. So um, for your, your process, you're kind of just free flowing from what you see. You're not necessarily going back to kind of, you know, pull imagery to, you know, craft some, some overall design. You're just kind of uh, in the moment with what, 
what the space is uh, kind of telling you? Yeah, well, I think that's the coolest thing about working in design, at least landscape architecture and landscape design in that field, is that it's really a balance between what the site is kind of yeah. asking to be as well as what the client needs mm. and then balancing that with a certain aesthetic. So there's all these different needs and you kind of just need to, you need to be able to make them all work within a budget. So yeah, <laughs> I would say it's all the above. I love it when clients have an idea of what they want. And then if somebody tells me they want something Asian inspired, I'm like, great, here's yeah. some ideas. And then I, I like to theme, I do like doing themed yards. I don't like to be like Disneyland themed, but <laughs> <laughs> where you can stick within a design style, that's always a treat. Cause a lot of times people want something kind of generic. They're like, I'll have pavers yeah. and a standard pergola. And I'm like, that's nice. I can do that. <laughs> yeah. I'm bored, but okay. <laughs> and oh, what, that, that's the, that's the bread and butter work, you know? Yeah. And, uh, well, don't you think yeah, that's because you have most people, people that are looking for more, that's exciting. I mean, don't you think most people kind of lack that vision anyways, right? I mean, they don't, they don't yeah, really they understand do. what it is they would even want because they can't see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where I fall. What about, Sarah, when you do your work across the country, do you actually do design across the country? And if you do, like if someone's in Atlanta and they want you, obviously you're not charging 150 to, How do you right. handle that? So right now I just take uh, clients down in Southern California uh, for that for my Sarita landscape design business. And I travel around largely because I'm either doing a home show where I talk about landscaping or because I'm doing a show. And so when I'm doing a show, we cast those ahead of time. So it's not that, I mean, if somebody wants to fly me out there and pay me to do a design, like I will all entertain it, but I don't know, (laughs) Um, you know, you know, it'd have to make sense financially for me to do that. So for the most part, I focus my business in Southern California. And then when I travel, it's because I've been brought there for work. Got it. The, the idea of DIY and all of the information that's available on YouTube and everything else, do you feel that has helped your business or hurt your business? Or we could say it has uh, you know, created challenges for your business. <laughs> I mean, in terms of creating challenges, you might have people that are challenging a way, like the ways to do things. And, and the truth is there's many ways to accomplish certain things too. Like I've been blessed to be able to work with many different contractors where I'm like, oh, this contractor puts pavers down like this and they have sure. those bars and this contractor does it like this. So I've been able to see a variety of ways of doing one process. Okay. And so there's not always a right or wrong. And so sometimes clients are like, well, that's not right because I saw it on this. It should be like this. I'm like, well, actually, um, <laughs> it kind yeah. of it kind of depends. But for the most part, I think it's empowering for people to know uh, I don't really mind it. I'd rather people know more about the process because it means they have a better understanding of how much work it usually is. <laughs> do you think they, they have, because where I tend to tend to be at opposite ends with it is they have a, a pretty, I think you kind of said this, they have a large misconception with what things actually cost. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like when we look at something, you can buy lumber liquidators, wood flooring for 99 cents a foot, and you should be able to install it for $2 a foot. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like it doesn't work that way. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's a lot of other things that go into it. So I feel like in a lot of ways in the environment that we're in from a professional business side, you're already, it's almost like the chips are already stacked against you with those people. And you have to break that down and then build it back up. Yeah. Does that make sense? Well, right. 
and people have to be excited. So if you go into a job and you're like, yeah, you know, your money's really not going to cut it. I mean, that's pretty defeating. Right. <laughs> so, right. Uh, there has, it has to be an encouraging way to do it. And, and like you guys have mentioned for me, because I cater to the DIY crowd on one audience and then I have the professional sure. thing on the other, it is different. So I might be like, Hey, for this project, the materials really only cost $300. And if you do it yourself, like you save this much money, but if you want to hire me, I'm going to charge you 15 to 2000, right. <laughs> you know, like, for labor what? and all, yeah. you know, all that jazz. So yeah. I try to be transparent about it. Makes um, sense. with people. Uh, so Sarah on the, you mentioned it a little bit earlier for the, on the permitting side. So after the design is already, uh, approved by the client, you move into, uh, getting a permit for construction. And, um, you mentioned kind of walls that are at the four foot mark and up is sort of where you need to start pulling permits for the exterior. Are there any other mm-hmm. items that usually trigger permits? Yeah, so permits are going to vary from county to county, state to state, uh, just region to region. But typically, retaining walls above four feet, running a gas line, electrical is a common one too. So some are kind of minor, some are, you know, more more important. I mean, truthfully, I know a lot of contractors that don't pull permits for running electrical. <laughs> I'm not going to name names, <laughs> but you know, it's uh, there. Uh, there's some things that are kind of more minor, and then some things that you definitely like need to be legit and go through the full process. So it's always recommended to do it, but ultimately the permits come down, uh, on the homeowner. Yeah. Uh, and mo- I mean, that may change from region to region, but at least in my experience, if something's not permitted, the homeowner gets a slap on the hand uh, for doing that. Yeah. And it's uh, actually, uh, especially on the interior and in, in the, on the building side of it, it's pretty good to get that permit because then it goes on it otherwise. Yeah. Cause then yeah. it goes on record and that's added yep. value to the house. Right. Um, but then you get taxed on it. So the, true. the, the thing, the, and that's where the struggle <laughs> always comes. Right. I mean, cause you hear it all the time. People are like, Hey, you know, we're going to pull permits and they're like, no, 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 I don't want to pull permits. Right. But what they don't mm-hmm. realize later on down the road is if you go to resell that house mm-hmm. and you, you did a 400 square yeah. foot addition. Mm, sorry, mm-hmm. bub. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's no, yeah. you don't get to claim that 400 feet. So mm-hmm. you've got that listing with an asterisk. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it doesn't get yep. recognized. And, and what people don't realize they're going, Oh, that's okay. I'll just pay for it. But now you can't get a loan for the qualifying amount based off of what that actually costs per foot. Yeah. You follow me? They don't. They don't normally recognize that. Allie looks like she's gonna like jump so in here. So <laughs> if I recently put air conditioning in my house and didn't file that's okay. a permit, okay. no, you're you're okay with that. <laughs> yeah, I think you're all right. Yeah, don't don't yeah, worry about okay. that. But I mean, I'm really going into like, well, in in um, in Big Sarah's thing. case too, like when you do like an outdoor structure and those yeah. types of things. You know, if it's not permitted, it, it can be considered a hazard, you know, depending on people, how they look at it. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know, you know, it sounds like Sarah always recommends permits, but I know a lot of people that document all the photos because if they ever get called out on it or yep. need to change it, you're going to have to tear it all down. So the hope with the photos are, is that, Hey, they will be okay showing you did all the precautionary steps along the yeah. way and did it per code. Cause that's really what it comes yeah. down to is yeah. by code. Yeah. So you yeah. Have to be if really you can careful. prove you did it by code, a lot of times they'll just sign it off and charge you like a fee for, yeah. um, you know, being bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. For skirting the, the system for sure. But, yeah. So on, on that, yeah. on that building side, similar to comment to what I said earlier, anything that's, uh, usually life safety, is probably going to trigger um, permit requirements. So make sure you check mm-hmm. with the city for, for those yeah. kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. And any professional that you work with should be able to lead you in those directions. Yeah. 
And mm-hmm. I actually saw Home Advisor has a, a national average for permit fees, which they say is $1,075, um, which is permits I pulled. interesting. And, and the range is kind of four, $450 up to $1,800. I want to say I paid one because uh, when we redid our backyard, we added a pool and like fire pit and barbecue and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. And I want to say mm-hmm. we paid between eight and 1000 800 and $1,000 yeah. wow. for the permits on that because it's like a few different things. Yeah. And it's really like per yeah. item, right? So it's the pool and then it was the the gas and, you know, all these, um, and, and Sarah would know better than I would, but it was, mm-hmm. there, I think there was like three different, no, it's one, it's one yeah. permit, but there's like three different items that add up to it or something like that. Right. Is that about right? Uh, yeah, yeah. A lot of times it, with like one permit, so you're getting a pool permit and then there's like another like subcategory and they can add up. That doesn't actually sound bad at all. Yeah. Um, a few, a couple hundred bucks here and there for different permits, sometimes more or less. That's, that's about average. And it's going to vary depending on uh, the jurisdiction and what the project type is. Um, so, uh, just a general range for, for some people to have an idea, but yeah, permit fees are another cost to be aware of. And when we go, uh, so let's say we got our permit now and we move into construction. What's been kind of the most complex part of construction for you, Sarah? Common issues you've run into or clients have run into? Complex issues are usually come when we're doing something on the creative side, if we're trying to push the envelope, I would say. But yeah, most challenging... I mean, I, I really don't like going through the permitting process. I mean, certain things are really easy <laughs> to do. But like when you're trying to like custom build like some iron structure or something that needs to be engineered, it, gets, it can get expensive and uh, explaining that through. So sometimes getting more creative can cause some headaches. But as much as I can, I try to design to not need permits uh, just, you know, to help save costs. But I mean, it, it, they can be minor. Yeah, I can, I can so, share one with you when we were building. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we went through plan check, got the plan signed off, got it stamped and all that kind of stuff, right? Design review, everything that goes through it. Cause we had, I had a hundred linear feet, Sarah, of four foot retaining wall. Okay. So that was one uh-huh. part of it because we were on a raised pad. Right. And on top of that, I had to put a fence to get the, the proper height, you know, from pool deck height, if you will, out. So that way, you know, people can't climb in or whatever. It had to be an unclimbable yes. feature, all these kind of fun things. Right. So everything was stamped off, that type of deal. Well, then what most people don't realize is you get it approved, but then you have an inspector, right? And so Mm. the inspector comes out and Lord knows these guys have their own ideas on how things are supposed (laughs) to go, right? She's laughing because she knows exactly where I'm going with this. So I put in a hundred linear feet of retaining wall, which is not cheap, right? It's expensive. Plus I've got a pool that's bearing on it and everything else. So it's like massive footing, this whole bit. And the whole idea was that we were going to put the wood retaining fence on there because they didn't want a huge nine foot wall. They wanted four right. feet plus five feet. So it was a little bit softer. And the idea was we could put the, the fence inside of the pore of the wall so I could just stack it right on top because I also had to have a five foot setback from that fence for the pool. Right. Mm-hmm. So then the inspector comes out and says, no, no, no. The fence can't be on top of the wall. The fence has to be set back two feet. Mind you, rebar, gunite, everything's already done on my pool at this point, right? Mm-hmm. 
So I'm looking at him going, excuse me, if you're telling me that's how that's going to have to go, you're telling me that my pool now has to be back another three feet? Yeah. And he goes, yeah. And I'm like, oh, dude, this is not going to (laughs) go. So it was one of two things. Either I was going to be thrown in jail for dismantling this guy while we were out there (laughs) or literally the next day. I mean, because it's like you don't realize the cost that's involved. Like It's just the he's like, no, yeah, like just slide it three feet. Right. That's going to work really, (laughs) really well. Yeah. I'm like, you paying for this? Right. And, uh, but ultimately we ended up going back down to the city. They ended up going over. I'm like, look, you guys have stamped this. You approved it. Like, I don't have the cash to redo this. So unless you all want to do this yourself, you know, which is cool. Like you can pay for it all. That's where we're at. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that's the other stage when you're talking about challenges and things like that, when you're going through city and permits and everything else that you, they, they come up with some whack, like whack ideas. And it's, I mean, you know. It's crazy. So you have yeah. a budget, right? Yeah, to Sarah's point. Approve it and then you get, yeah, the person that comes out is, it can be stressful. So Uh-oh. as much as I can, I'm like, okay, we're doing a four, we're doing a three foot wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keep it under four, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's true. Three though. foot, 10 inch. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly. I want to do a quick round of Robin for our, our last question. It's kind of more of on a philosophical side. Uh, whoever has an opinion on this. So now the the direction that housing is going, it's higher density, and you yeah, don't you don't have a yard anymore. So Sarah, that's going to put you in a bind <laughs> as <laughs> as housing kind of tightens up on density, and you're not really able to grow within your home. Do you think it's a, a good direction? Uh, should we somehow figure out a way to maintain a reasonable land footage for a homeowner? and shrink the house somehow you know i think we're looking at this from a california scope oh so true that's true that's true other markets and it's so funny because i was listening to a i guess a builder in dallas talk about how they're going from 60 wide to 40 wides yeah. homes and they're yeah. like oh my gosh this is terrible <laughs> and so for them that's density they will go around and tout we are doing density solutions we have yeah. 40 wide product and same with most markets i've I, been to i think it's it still applies, although we're on the extreme side, mm-hmm. but everybody is getting denser mm-hmm. kind of across Less the land. nation. But um, so what you were used to, you're not going to get yes. that anymore. That's fair. Yeah. 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 Well, I, yeah, I think. Oh, go ahead. Well, um, no, I mean, I'm really interested in your take just from the side standpoint of what people are doing in those types of spaces, you know, because we are Southern California centric, clearly. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm really curious to hear your input on it because there's all sorts of new building around you. Um, yeah. you know, within a 15 minute drive, basically. Um, yeah. and what we see now, because you've got attached zero lot line, you know, all, all these different kind of things that are going to continue to be here and mm-hmm. it's only going to get more and more dense. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what that looks like from a design aspect, Sarah, and then, you know, obviously your, your, your take on uh, Demetrius's question as well. Sure. So, um, I actually think with things getting smaller, like if you still have a yard and it's smaller, I would say most people don't actually use the extent of their yard. And in terms of having a smaller yard, I feel like you can get a lot bigger bang with your money in terms of making it turnkey and useful. So I actually get excited about designing small yards because I feel like I can touch every aspect of the space. So um, that's a positive spin, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) No, but it it really does because I I go to so many places. I'm like, okay, you have a half an acre – so we'll just make it all grass. I mean, like, yeah, like good we, point. I'm almost thinking of like, okay, maybe we should put a bocce ball. Like we should put something else because <laughs> I don't want it to just be uh, in certain areas. If you have open rolling space and grass grows, like 
good for you, but out here in Southern California, it's almost a hassle to have a lot of space unless like you're open to having it kind of be a natural landscape in certain areas. I mean, I sure I want a lot of land. All of us do, but I don't think it's a terrible thing to have a smaller spot that you'd really appreciate and take care of. So that that's one side of it. And the other side is if you really don't have yard space, it kind of makes me sad. I think it's great for people to have private spaces, but if you are in a situation where, you know, there's just not space for personal yard space, uh, our outdoor parks and our outdoors joined our outdoor community spaces become even more important. And the benefit of that is somebody else is maintaining um, an open space for you to use and play with. So, hmm. uh, that's kind of my take on it. And yeah. coming from a horse farm, I will tell you that I do not <laughs> want any more space than I have outside. <laughs> <laughs> on on her way out the door, she drops a horse farm. Drops a bomb on us that she comes from a horse farm. <laughs> oh, it's all coming together now. Yeah. It's don't, all coming don't together. Don't give me any more land. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, see, I I hate it because that's that's why we we won't move. I mean, legitimately, when we started looking three and a half years ago, that's why we're not moving because yeah. we have we're, we have a really good sized lot. Yeah, we've got a lot of front yard, a lot of back, you know, really good sized backyard, side yards, all that kind of stuff, and we don't have, you know, we we we're not an inside family, we're mm-hmm. an outside family. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and everybody likes their inside space when you're tired and you just want to you know do nothing. But I even like doing nothing outside, you know, it's just, it, there's, it's more energy to it and everything else. And, it, you know, America's obese. So get outside. You know what I mean? That's my, <laughs> that's my opinion. But the, um, but that's also where it becomes difficult because I, I, I kind of understand what you're saying. If it was a smaller space, I feel like I could handle that a lot easier. You know, like somebody could tell you, put this here and you could easily do that. Yeah. But since we have area to actually landscape, yeah, you know what I mean? It's, it's 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 harder you know it or at least to me it feels more difficult to do that you know yeah okay i'm gonna call the buzzer on that one and um we're gonna just kind of finish off the show with uh a quick stories in the industry that kind of caught our eye we're gonna do a a top three and sarah if you want to give a bonus one if one comes to mind feel free to jump in ali you want to uh, go first. Yeah. So for our episode that was talking about offsite construction, there was news, I think last week that Integra, the company that we highlighted in the podcast, ended up getting $45 million in funding to build a factory here in California. And they're looking to do another one. I think the first one's in Northern California, looking for a second in Southern. That's wow. awesome. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That's awesome. Uh, um, and then we're not going to go into detail on these. So for the listeners, uh, feel free to check them out, uh, look more into these. But we just want to highlight a few things that are going on. Jason? Uh, one of the biggest things that came out is uh, Lennar's partnership with Amazon and their, their Alexa like smart home. Yeah. Pretty cool stuff. I mean, I'm interested. Like, it freaks me out. I'm not going to lie to you at all. Yeah. But, I mean, it's really neat to see where it's come and where it's going. Yeah. So I'm interested to see how much that does. You know, it's inside the house. We're having a, kind of an outside topic today. Mm-hmm. So... I think it's only going to continue to bleed further and further out. So I don't know how that's going to end up working outside. Yeah. That one's fascinating with the consolidation, the M&A with Cal Atlantic, how that will, can you, can you see that the impact of sales is because it's a smart home or because now they just have larger market share and they have good holdings? Dude, they are the 1500 pound gorilla in the room now. I mean, it's not close. (laughs) And we're going to do a future, uh, or episode in the future about technology, uh, in our industry. So, 
I'm sure we'll come back to that that topic later on and uh, discuss in detail. But um, Sarah, well, I'm, in, I'm in, sorry. I'm interested to see where it goes outside because outside there's so many different things you can like our pool and lights and everything's all on smartphone smartphone. Yeah. So I'm sure it's going to do the same exact thing outside. I just don't know to what degree. Yeah. You know, but it'll be interesting to, to go through it. Yeah. Uh, Sarah, did, did anything come, come to mind on your side? <laughs> no, to, I'm sorry. Not to put you on the spot. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, so my story, I don't know if you guys saw this, but Kanye West yeah. has a, a design company that he started. I think it's called Donda Design. He's announced that he's going to start an architecture arm to his design company. I'm scared. That guy yeah. irritates me. Oh, God. Uh. I'm, I'm scared. I'm so scared with that. Uh, he's such a polarizing figure. I just had to bring him up because it was the, the craziest thing uh, out of nowhere all of a sudden. I, I think it's fair, though. I mean, the guy's a genius. I'll give him that in a lot of different regards, yeah. right? Yeah. He's a genius. But then I think they start taking it and think they can just mm-hmm. do everything. Yeah. And it's like, hold, hold the phone, babe. You know what I mean? Like, pack it up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> That's what and I don't know if Sarah heard, but he's also starting a landscaping arm as well. So watch out. No, I'm just no he's not. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he will, but he hasn't yet. Probably. Maybe I should go ask for a job. <laughs> All right. So listener mail. We got, we got one message on Instagram that I wanted to point out from California Love 05. Let's see. She said, just listening to the podcast now, she was referring to a specific episode. Um, She said, great choice of guests. Keep up the great work, guys. You three make for a dynamic combination of knowledge and opinions. So thank you, California Love 05. And we are down to two, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we we are going to be looking for some some additional help um, to bring some more funny in some more knowledge um but ali will be back with us and at some point in the future to to hang out with us again and i wanted to say we do have a kind of a a cluster of listeners that i see all the time responding to things so we have to come up with a name for our listeners at some point we got to think about this and figure it out so if you're a, a constant listener and you have a good name for the listeners in something in relation to the name of the show, uh, Spaces Podcast, um, send those out on any of the social media, and uh, I don't know, maybe we'll give you a prize or something. <laughs> Jason has something that you no, no, I can only think of inappropriate stuff. I'm not doing this. <laughs> All right. Um, so with that, if no one has no one has anything else, um, if you have anything that you want to send us. Uh, good comments bad comments feel free to email us hello at spacespodcast.com i will definitely come back for hate mail oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) and uh anything anywhere on social media at spaces podcast um sarah you want to plug your social media and website one more time Sure. Yeah. So Sarah Bendrick is uh, all my handles on Twitter and on Instagram and Facebook. Sarah has no H. And then if you uh, Sarita Landscapes is the design company I run out of Southern California. Thank you guys so much for having me. But, you know, I look forward to touching base with people online and uh, keeping up with your guys' podcast. No, oh, thank you for coming. It was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you very much, Sarah. Really appreciate it. Had a, had a good uh, good time with you today. Mm-hmm. So thank you again for spending time with us, uh, for the listeners. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and like it and forward it 
to a friend of yours. Your support is the only way that this show grows. And if you just stumbled upon the show, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss another episode. Also, check out spacespodcast.com. Uh, under the Listen tab, we'll have photos, videos, notes uh, about everything we talked about and discussed today. And with all that said, if you're catching up, hit next. Or if you're listening as we put these out, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Thanks. Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise. From 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm.